Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today I am joined by my friend, Henry Tolbert, founder and CEO of Simple Systems Consulting. How are we doing today, Henry? Man, I am doing absolutely amazing and uh, just great to be here with you guys. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining. We'll get right on into kind of getting a little bit of a idea of who you are and what you do. But I just want to kind of like quickly call out for everyone that here at Kajabi, we're celebrating Black History Month. Um, and so we're incredibly excited to kind of just hear some of your perspective on, you know, how being a Black business owner, you know, and an entrepreneur, how that's contributed to your entrepreneurial journey. But let's just kind of start things off with like your elevator pitch. Tell us in a paragraph or two, maybe 15 seconds, like what it is that you do. Yeah. So simply put, we are a consulting firm and uh, we primarily work with pastors, churches and network leaders to help them build the systems that facilitate spiritual, numerical and financial growth. And uh, so if I had to put that in just a a one sentence line, we build the systems that make uh, that help people's vision come to life. Uh, I've always been kind of a system focused person. I'm always thinking about process, right? We want to do something. How do you get from here to there? And uh, so that's what we do. We work primarily, like I said, with churches and networks, but also entrepreneurs uh, to help them build those systems to make sure that they can take people on the journey that they want them to go on. I love it. I love it. And you kind of, I think you're starting to go into this, but like, I'd love to understand just the genesis of this. How did, like, how long have you been doing this? How did this kind of come into existence? Yeah. So officially we jumped out and started our business January uh, 2020. So literally like a a couple of months before the pandemic hit. And uh, oddly enough, though, this is something I feel like I've been preparing for for a very, very long time. I grew up kind of in the church and around the church and nonprofit work pretty much all my life. And so kind of having that experience, I've, I got a chance to see kind of the, the backside of how uh, an organization works and how it really flows. And so years and years ago, my wife and I jumped out and uh, we just felt called to you know build a church and start a church that was really for college students and people who had no idea about what is, what is this faith thing and this religion stuff that people is all over. And so we started that. And when we did it, uh, we did it and we had very little money. Uh, we had very little people and support. It was literally my wife and I in a 1,000 square foot, three bedroom apartment in this small town in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the only thing there is really a college campus. And so it was us and eight college students. And and we started and we started reaching out to people and we started just teaching people in our apartment. We started feeding college students every night. You know, my two older daughters, they're, you know, socially, they're really different because they grew up having college students in our living room every night until 1 a.m., you know, playing cards and eating food and, and having conversation. And so we started there. And uh, and really, as we started to build, I discovered, uh, like we discovered with all businesses, the same is true with churches, that no two are exactly alike. And, and we discovered that as a new group, we didn't have all the things that we sometimes took for granted that other people had. All right. And so what we had to do is that we had to figure out how to do it. So if we needed a website. Uh, I literally had to, you know, I remember spending about a week watching YouTube videos, learning WordPress, and I built the crappy website from <laughs> scratch, right? And then I learned, you know, just how to take templates and customize it. So eventually I learned how to do that. And uh, when we wanted to do processes with, okay, how do we get some a, a student from their dorm room to our building and then take them from our building after they're equipped and send them back to their dorm room to go do the same thing with somebody else? We had to figure out all of those processes. And so over the course of just, you know, serving in different roles and working with different groups and uh, having a company that I started and, uh, and failed uh, first, uh, over that course, we just completely refined our systems and just refined how we saw processes. And really, we started to see this common thread where we're like, okay, here are 
10 simple processes that every church needs, every network needs, and even most businesses need in order to be successful. And you can get as detailed as you want with them, but here are the 10 templates that we've seen. And uh, and so from there, we looked out and uh, I felt this urge that we really need to go live with the business. And so we did January, 2020. And then lo and behold, the pandemic hits. Most churches get shut down. Everybody's trying to figure out. Most churches at that point aren't online yet. And if they are, they're not doing it well. Everybody's trying to figure this out. Okay, the world is not digital. And so how do we do that? And so it was really born out of his heart to say, okay, we live in a digital world now. Is that the the lines between the physical and the digital have been blurred. And so organizations have to adjust. And we have to say, how do we take the things that we would do in person and shift them onto a digital platform? Because now the entire world is at our fingertips. And and if we don't come into the digital world, then we miss a huge opportunity to have an impact at a broader scale. Oh, for sure. And isn't that interesting? It kind of like just was like a, a catalyst, especially for that space. Like I remember hearing from like my grandparents uh, who attend a church and how like they were talking about getting on Zoom. I'm like, Grandma, you're not supposed to know what this stuff is. Like, right. <laughs> like I got exactly. I got her first iPad, but it's super interesting. Uh, were you planning on like was your initial strategy all about um, digitization or bringing the church into the digital age, or did that did, was that kind of an adaptation? Well, partially. So um, it, it's a, it's a little bit of both ends because really the first uh, kind of thing, and this is still our primary offering to this day, is something we call digital discipleship. Because at the time when this happened, I was actually serving in a role where my whole focus was on discipleship. And that's really just a process for how we take people and bring them in and teach them the core principles of what we believe and things of that and equip them to go out and live, you know, abundant lives, just to be everything God created them to be. And so at the time we were doing it in person, it was going really, really well. But we were also hearing from people who were saying, hey, look, I don't live there, but I've heard about what you're doing and we want to be a part of it. I want to come to this class that you're teaching, but I can't drive or fly to Birmingham, Alabama to come take this class. How can we do it? And so right around then I started to say, okay, well, what if we put this online? And uh, and by then I had just discovered Kajabi and, you know, e-courses are really just starting to, to grow and explode where I was really being exposed to them. And so I'm sitting, I'm going like, okay, well, people are doing e-courses on how to lose weight and how to fix your diet and how to budget and how to do real estate. I was like, well, why couldn't we do an e-course for discipleship? Like to walk people through the early stages of it, right? Because it includes so much more. It includes stuff like, you know, walking with other people and relationships and stuff like that. But what could we, how could we do that? And so that was it. Originally, I just built it for the church that I was a part of. And it was a smashing success. I mean, within a month, we brought in almost half of what it had taken us two years to do. And so we saw just this accelerated engagement because people from all over the world were wanted or all over the country wanted to participate. And so when I did it for us, my mind went and went and said, okay, well, I bet there are some other people who need this. There are some other churches who could benefit from this. And so from there, that was a platform. But we just kind of, as we started to work with more churches and networks and denominations and companies, we started to see that that was a part of it. Uh, But with every process, you're going to have people who come in and say, okay, here's where I need to start. But we had to start mapping out what's the ultimate goal though. You know, this is step one, what's step 10? Because what I don't want to do, and this is a mistake, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead, but this is a mistake that I made pretty early in business is I had that kind of introductory offer, but I didn't have a plan for where I wanted people to go after that. And so when they came in and brought that one introductory thing, it was like, all right, cool. Thank you. You got it. You got this. It's over with. And it's like, well, that customer, that person could be a lifetime partner if I have that map laid out for them. And so that was really one of the things that led us to evolve with that. I think that's actually like, it's really ideal where you're going with that because like, I'd love to kind of just dig in and get a better understanding of like 
some of the challenges that you faced uh, kind of getting up and running um, on this platform. I know you mentioned that you tinkered around with Word's WordPress, so maybe you have some of those <laughs> you know tech skills already. But like, I, yeah, like take us through some of the kind of just the hurdles that you faced getting this up and running. Yeah, it was. Uh, there were a couple of things. So when we started originally, when I say like we we started the church, uh, we were reaching mostly young people, and so one of the barriers I had was kind of this generational barrier where people in the generation before me, I'm kind of on the line between Gen Xers and millennials. So I'm like right there in between somewhere. And so I've got qualities of both, right? But I was really the church largely was being led by boomers. And so as I would go to boomers with this stuff around technology and talking about online giving and text giving and all this kind of stuff like that, many of them at first weren't sure that it would work for them. And, you know, that's a, that's kind of a, a limiting belief barrier that, you know, most entrepreneurs have to face. We have to deal with our own limits and beliefs first, like believing that we deserve a seat at the table, but then we have to deal with the objections and the limiting beliefs of the people that we're trying to reach, whether or not this will work for them, because maybe the people that work for are special. And so kind of as we came through that and we started to work with more groups and more churches, one of the things that we we started to see a couple of things. Number one, we started to see how few resources some groups have to commit to really investing in their future. You know, it's really getting people, and I don't just mean financial resources, I mean even mental resource, people resource. How much do we put towards where we're headed and where we're going? And so that was one of the things we ran into because we've got this great toolkit and we like to think of what we offer as a toolkit and a template, not as a, you got to do it this way. But the problem with that is, is that the people we work with, they have to be willing to do some of the work too. And, and I don't know how much our listeners know about pastors, but pastors are some of the busiest people you ever meet in your life. Uh, because contrary to popular belief, you know, we often think about the people we see on TV, but the, the people you see on TV isn't the average pastor. The average pastor is leading a congregation of a hundred people. And he is the primary caregiver for those 100 people. Meaning that, you know, when you're in a pandemic and people are are, are sick and going to the hospital in the, in the early days where people were dying at an alarming rate, like the pastor is a person who's got to figure out how do I go care for these people when we're afraid to be close together, but we need each other. Like, how do we keep this thing going? How do we, you know, he in, in a small church, the pastor is the preacher, the caregiver. You do weddings, you do funerals, you do baby dedications, you set up the sound, you clean up the building, you do a lot of that stuff, right? And so what I started to discover is I was trying to work with pastors, but many of them didn't have the space to do the work that needed to be done for this to happen. And so that's when we started to kind of shift just a little bit and go, okay, are we walk in the, in the door through the pastor, through the leader of the organization, but the real work that's going to get done is going to happen by the team members that are around them. And so a couple of things we had to overcome. Number one, we had to overcome the barrier of just the thought process and the availability of the people we were trying to reach. But then number two, another big one for us was the finance, the, the money barrier, the financial barrier, convincing a, a leader to basically invest in someone outside of the organization to do the work uh, or to lead the work that's going to be done by people inside the organization. Like that's really different, you know, especially in the African-American community, we can tend to be a very closed door kind of community. And what I mean by that is, is that we really, really value our internal privacy and connection and really everything being internally focused. And so what that means is that when somebody tries to come from the outside, you know, sometimes that can be a barrier there. Uh, but then here's the other thing we had to, we had to run through. You know, we're talking about Black History Month. Well, one of the things that we know that exists is the wealth gap. Like you've got this wealth gap where, you know, wealth is just disproportionately dispersed in the African-American community. And so that leaks over into churches and nonprofits and organizations. Because if a person doesn't have resources personally, then donating is one of the last things that they can do. 
And the way that the, of course, the church operates is through donations. So I went through a lot of battles with pricing. Um, I spent a lot of time pricing our services at levels that really hurt us, but I was hoping that it would help uh, the people we were working with. And so that was a huge battle. But I also had to come to a point where I was willing to value what I was offering and what I brought to the table. And here's a really hard conversation, especially when it comes to an organization like church and things of that nature. But one of the things that you learn is that your pricing is a part of your brand, right? Because, you know, we all have this internal thought that we know that the cheapest is not the best and the best is not the cheapest, right? We we know that. That if, if you tell me that what you're offering is the cheapest offer in town, I know it's not the best offer in town. But if you tell me it's the best, I know it won't be the cheapest. And so what you learn too is that I had to wrestle through learning that pricing is also a filter for you. That pricing helps you get to your ideal client because you start to see eventually, and this is one of the things that I saw as I kind of walked through this journey, is that people who pay the least often do the least. And so when people don't really value um, the investment that it takes to reach the result that you're trying to help them reach, the people that you beg to come in with your price, you'll have to hold their hand every step of the way and you'll have to continue to beg them to do the work the whole way. Yeah. Oh my goodness, for sure. And that's, it's, I think one of our previous podcast guests uh, used the phrase, when you pay, you pay attention, which is that, that, that one really resonated. Um, and certainly something that you see across, uh, you know, all businesses, um, you know, pricing really, really, really matters. I'd like to dig into that a little bit more, but also I want to just kind of, uh, quickly for our listeners would love to kind of understand like your product as a whole, like for someone who's purchasing it, like where do they go? Like from where are they at from and where's point A and like, where's Z? Like, where do you take them to? Yeah. Really what we do is that we know that most leaders are struggling to have the time and the energy to really train people for the future. Right. Uh, because we kind of have this dichotomy or this, this journey that we're all called to walk on where we've got to wrestle with where we are as an organization, but we've also got to wrestle with where we feel and we know that we're called to go as an organization. And what we've discovered is that many teams are filled with people who fit where we are or where we've been in the church anyway. But what we're trying to help them do is start to think about not just where you are, where you've been, but where you're headed. And so really what we do is our process is pretty, pretty simple. Uh, We like to take a very relational approach. And so I spend a good bit of time reaching out to people and having conversations, going to different conferences. And uh, I host a lot of, I'll host free events and do free webinars for denominations and things of that nature. But we start with a discovery call. And once we start with a discovery call, we simply just hear, you know, what people are thinking. And one of the things I'm actually working on right now is detailing that discovery call process a little bit more. And this is just one of the reasons I love Kajabi, just because it's like, you know, I can build a pipeline (laughs) and all the pieces show up at once. And so one of the things that we're working on now with that discovery call is allowing that too to be a filter, right? Because I've had a season where I've had my schedule completely filled with discovery calls, but they were filled with people who had no intention of working with us and person the project. And then I've had a season where I had fewer discovery calls, but we close them at, you know, more than a 50% clip. And so one of the things that we're working on now is detailing that process where when they sign up the questionnaire, the questions they've got to answer before the call are really intensive to let us know exactly where they are. Um, A video that we ask them to watch so that they understand our process and come into the conversation educated so we don't start at zero, an automatic uh, PDF that we'll send them with the rundown of our services and what we offer so that they can have that in front of them and we can have a conversation right then on that call about what fits best. And so we start with a discovery call and then from there, after we assess, then we point them towards uh, a service that we think is best. And so right now for us, that looks at like what we call the four gears uh, because 
we're all about systems. So everything is a gear. And so we offer what we call the four gears. And these gears are really tiers is what they are. Uh, at the very early tier, we have what we call a discipleship basic, which is where clients can, can sign up and we'll give them a custom link uh, to a course that is ours, that is branded for our company, hosted by us. But it walks people through a four session training to get them up to date on the basics. Uh, and we automate that entire process from when they sign up to when they receive a certificate at the end. We automate that entire process for them. And that's our kind of tier one. Um, tier two, we then customize that course. So we brand it uh, for the organization. We put their logo, their colors, the e-course is custom to them. We even send them a box with uh, the resources and materials they need to host it in person. Um, so that's our tier two. Tier three is what we call uh, the Simple System Society, which is a coaching program. And so you get everything in tier two. Plus every month we do live coaching calls, uh, webinars where you can jump on and we'll talk through a system. You can invite your team, bring your team. You get those replays in a membership and the leader gets access to have us do a training for their team once a month. And so they literally have their own Zoom link. They go in there and schedule it based on our availability and Calendly. And then they, once they choose a time, they tell us what we want, what they want us to coach their team on. And we come in and we coach them. And then our very highest tier is what we call the virtual executive pastor. Um, so for me, I, I have been, um, I did my undergraduate work in business management uh, at Gremlin State University. Um, I did my master's degree. I have two master's degrees, one in pastoral counseling with a leadership focus and one in a master of Christian ministry in leadership. And so to find somebody with my experience, my capability, my education, that's a high call and most churches can't afford to do it. And so what we offer is as a virtual executive pastor, I help to lead the staff and the team of the organization virtually by meeting with them. And you get a certain amount of meetings every month, a certain amount of meetings with the senior leader every month, plus all the resources and specific build outs for them. And that's our highest tier. And so for that tier, we only take about three clients for that one because it's pretty intensive and it really involves, and sometimes it involves travel and things of that nature, but we offer those four tiers. And, uh, and for us, it was super important uh, because in the early days, the mistake that I made is I kept evolving what I offered to who asked for it. And I tell you, I couldn't keep up with what I could, could and should give uh, to each client. And so what I was doing was I was just letting them come and say, okay, what do you need? And whatever you need, I can do it. And I'll just go kind of with it. And, uh, and that didn't work. And so I was like, you know, we got to find a different way. And so that's when we shift to the gears model. And so we say, okay, look, here are the four tiers that we offer. Uh, within these four tiers, we can find everything you need. We don't piecemeal them together. You get one of these and we solely use a subscription model. Um, we don't do any one-off things right now. That's actually one of the new products that we are going to offer in the future will be a one-off where we will offer all 10 of our systems as standalone products that you can purchase once and you can just kind of buy it. We send it to you and it's yours. You go, no coaching or anything like that. But right now, everything is subscription model because that's just what seems to work best for us. Okay. Okay. Sounds like uh, you're making something that would only be accessible to maybe some of the the TV churches to Correct. the broader, you know, the broader audience. Is that kind of... Absolutely. And I think you have like, you also have some goals in mind for this. Like, can you share a little bit about like what you're actually hoping to accomplish? Absolutely. And I think what you said is perfect. We're really trying to take these things that have been exclusive to the biggest of the biggest and the best of the best and saying, no, we only win if all of us thrive. Right. And I think we all know this, like a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so it's like, and I'm not saying that churches are the weak link or small churches are the weak link because they're not. But what I'm saying is we want the same resources to be available to everybody. And so, so we have a couple of really, really specific goals when it comes to what we offer, when it comes to our systems, coaching and things of that nature. Um, our goal is to help 100 churches engage 
10,000 people in a spiritual growth process, because that's really what this is about for us. This is about helping people grow. And so when I think about that um, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, the thing that really drives me, you think about this pain point that I have that leads me to the pain point that I know other leaders have. And it's this pain point that there are a ton of people out there who have no idea who they are. They have no idea what they're called to do with their lives. Some of them are alone and lonely and broken. Life has beaten them up. And I believe that this spiritual journey, this discipleship that we point people to is one part of the solution that helps people discover that because that's what it was for me. Just a part of my story, I was a former football player. And so I was a college athlete at Grimland State and I bounced around the NFL for about two and a half years. I played arena football for a year. And since I was nine years old, all I wanted to do was be Emmett Smith and, and play football, right? That's all I wanted to do. And so I did that for a number of years and I had a great experience. It was absolutely amazing. And when it all came to an end, I really struggled. Like when it came to that point where it was like, okay, I've hit a wall that I cannot control, right? I've hit something that I have no control over. And when I spent almost a year, man, just close to a depression trying to figure out who am I? Like, what am I going to do in the next season of my life? Now that this one thing that I've always known as a talent has gone away, I'm digging deeper and asking like, who am I really? And when I started to have that conversation, ask that question, this process that we're trying to help walk 10,000 people through is a part of what dug me out of that, that deep pit that I was in. And so our hope is we want to take a hundred churches and say, okay, instead of us just saying, let's pull 10,000 people to us, because with marketing and advertising, we could do that. We could bring 10,000 people to us and say, okay, come take this class and then go. But really what we're trying to do is say, okay, we want to draw people in through the individual churches, because after people finish this class, those are the people that they're going to do life. Those are the people who are going to be able to give them a space where they can serve and use their gifts to make a difference in somebody else's life. And uh, and so that's a huge part of what we want to do, man. We want to see 100 different churches uh, walk 10,000 people uh, through that process and help them begin to get their life on the right track. I love it. And it's kind of like you're using the same model that you put into place, like all the way back at the college, you know, the college where you're, yep. you're training people to train others. It's the teaching the man to fish philosophy. Yes, absolutely. And that's it, because I think that's how you create an ecosystem, right? If, if you want to create an event, then you just do something. But if you want to create a movement, then you've got to empower other people to do it. Uh, I saw this quote by Ronald Reagan. It said, uh, a leader is not great for what he does. A leader is great for what he empowers other people to do. And that's really what we're trying to live out is that we're trying to empower other people to go out and make a difference in other people's lives. So we kind of create almost this pay it forward type movement where people are constantly doing for others what somebody has done for them. I love it. Yeah. It's it's kind of the the opposite of like the the idea of being this, I, I don't want to put a big, I don't I want to box in a big church either, but like yeah. instead of you being this like, you know, big charismatic leader that has all of the answers to the questions, you're really focused in on the mission and, and affecting the people that impact the people, which is really cool. Let's talk a little bit, I guess, kind of just going back to the business side of this um, and just kind of, you already shared a little bit about like kind of bringing this on to Kajabi and stuff. And I, I'm, I'm interested just given that you've played with other tools and technologies, like what was that journey like? Did you, did, how did you know about, how, how'd you hear about Kajabi? How did you, how did you ultimately decide to kind of make that a part of this, this journey for you? Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely used a lot of tools. 
place. Like uh, one of the things that really drew me in when I did hear about Kajabi, because I'd actually heard about it. Uh, I was listening to Brendan Bouchard and he was new and I had just been exposed to him because I was working with a coach and, uh, and and she was like a digital uh, content coach and she was just like a digital product coach. And she was like my first introduction to this stuff. And so she really opened me up a lot. And uh, she used, she talked about Kajabi as one of the tools that she used and she pointed me to Brandon Bouchard and I saw that he used it. And, uh, but one of the things that got me when I went on the website, there's this graphic that Kajabi has where they show like these 12 or 16 different tools and products. And as you scroll, it squeezes them down into one and says, look, you can get all of this in Kajabi. And man, that thing sold me because <laughs> I looked at that graphic and I mean, I was wrestling with, you know, 10 of those tools. You know, I was using Trello with one organization. Somebody else wanted to use Asana. Somebody else wanted to use this and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, this is aggravating, you know, trying to do all of these different things. And so when I started to learn about Kajabi, it just made sense because, you know, one of the things that was really hard for us in the early days when we tried different businesses and failed and tried all kind of other stuff was just this idea of trying to have this one tool where I can manage my entire business, like where I could literally do everything right here that I didn't have to do one of have a group me to send a message and I didn't have to have, I could just have everything just like right here together. And, uh, and so when we started to, to, we were searching for what to use, I was doing research and Kajabi just kind of kept coming back up. And I was like, man, this just seems like it gives me all the things that these other services give. I was using email services and all kind of stuff. And it just felt like that Kajabi was just the one tool that could give me everything I needed. And so for us, we wanted to make it simple. And so we started with Kajabi. You know, I didn't want to start with something else and then have to come back. And you know what? Later when my business grows, I'll move to it. I was like, nah. And so I jumped in doing one of the um, one of the challenges. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it was like one of the 30 day challenges, like start your business in 30 days and so on and so on. And so I actually did it. I got I jumped in and I followed the steps and I listened to the coaching. And I think the first product that I did or the first thing I did, I did a free webinar on just telling people how to build a healthy devotional life, like just how to have build this rhythm where every day you wake up knowing, okay, how do I connect with God today? Right. So we did that. And then we used that as a spinoff into a 21 day devotional ebook that I had written. And uh, and so I built that pipeline and I followed the steps that <laughs> Kajabi was coaching us through. And uh, and we did it. And uh, oddly enough, by the time the 30 day challenge was over, we had made more than enough to cover our subscription for Kajabi. And from there, I was sold. I said, look, if, if we do nothing but this every month, like even if I'm not making a whole lot of money, because that was never the goal, the primary goal for me. But even even if I don't make a whole lot of money, Kajabi just gave me a space to share my voice with the world. It gave me an opportunity to say there's something in my heart. There's something in my head. There are systems in my mind that if people knew them, it would make their lives easier. And uh, and so for me, from that perspective, from day one, Kajabi was a win. And so we stuck with it. Oh, that, that's such a cool, cool journey for you there. Um, I love hearing from people who join the challenges because there's something that is the, so important to us too. Like, you know, we usually have a lot of involvement from our internal team um, as a part of the coaching and like, and seeing the stories that come from this, like from people who start out with, you know, everything ranging from already having a business to people who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I need to do something and watching yep. them come through this on the other end. So it's really cool to hear that you are a part of that. And, you know, here's one of the things I'll say too, and because I, I think this is worth noting, you know, I felt pretty early on, man, I felt pretty ingrained into the Kajabi family, right? Because I remember I first did it. And when I came to that challenge, I got a box in the mail. I think I got like some socks as my first gift, yep. you know, because we made our first, I think a thousand dollars or something like that. Um, but what I started doing is I started going to the, um, to these meetups, the Kajabi meetups, right? And we were doing Kajabi meetups. 
And I went on a couple of them and I was so ingrained in Kajabi that, you know, we'd be on the call and people in our group would be asking questions. And I just jump out there and, and I'd be answering the questions for our group that they broke us off into. And I remember one day I got an email and uh, one of the young ladies who was hosting the Kajabi meetup, she was like, hey, um, are you available to join us on this next meetup? I want you to, I just want you to, you know, just lead a breakout group for us. And I was like, really? Like me, I get to, you know, and so it was just so exciting to see how, you know, the journey that I was on right where I was. And at this point, I hadn't even made $5,000 in the company yet. Right. And yet, you know, the team at Kajabi was like, well, no, you're on the right path. We can see where you're going. You can still, you have enough right now to reach back and to help somebody else. And I just think that was just a great expression of one of the things that, that I try to live by is that regardless of where you are, there's somebody who's further back. There's somebody who can benefit from the journey that you have. And just to have that experience with Kajabi and they lean into that was just a big deal. So I, I thought that would be worth mentioning and sharing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of kind of the image. I saw this at some point. I don't remember where or who to attribute for this, but like someone like it just it really resonated with me. They showed the picture of a ladder and it showed, you know, you are here and you're up, you know, a few steps on there. But then it says someone else is right here who's also yes. always really interested in making it to where you are at on that ladder. And I think that's, Absolutely. that's inspiring, you know, at least yes. to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it's a big deal because it's the truth is that every step of the journey, you are not where you used to be, but there is somebody who is, you know, here's one of the realities that I have to, that I constantly use to remind myself, you know, because at this point, you know, a couple of years in, we've got some real aspirations of really trying to grow this company. And, and, and we just started hiring our first, uh, our first staff, you know, I've got a couple of virtual assistants now and, and some other things. And so, but one of the things I constantly remind myself is that there's somebody who's praying to live in my disappointment, right? The, the, the launch that I do that doesn't get to be a five figure launch. Like somebody is praying, somebody is having a hundred dollar launch and praying like, man, if I could just get to a thousand, like that would be great. And so I'm just constantly being reminded that there's somebody who's praying for the thing that you're praying to get away from or out of or beyond. Like somebody is like, look, put me in that situation and I could leave my entire job and, you know, live a different life. So I think it is a good thing to remember. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you could apply that to just about your, your entire life. Like, I mean, I think yeah. every time you have a, a negative thought, I can be like, man, you know, I, when you really think about it, <laughs> there yes. is someone out there who would be, you know, be looking for, you know, the situation. That's a, that's a really great perspective. Absolutely. Well, just let's kind of fast forward a little bit to where you're at today. Like, I'd like to know, like, kind of where you're at with the business. You told us about the journey and how you got started. Like, where are things at now that you're kind of your couple years into this now? Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. we're about to right at two years in this month. And uh, so it's still a super exciting journey. Like I said, we're we're really in a phase that I call expanding and uh, because we're really trying to expand the company. And uh, and as we look to expand the company, um, we're also working to expand the team. So like I said, we just hired um, two virtual assistants and I also have a personal assistant. I have two teenage daughters. And so they're also coming onto the team to help out. My wife is my is a partner of mine in the business as well. So we really kind of trying to build, um, we're trying to get to an eight person team is really what we're trying to get to. And, uh, and so we're doing that because now we're coming to a point where we're really, we see now that we've really worked hard to 
refine what we offer. And so now we're at that phase where we're going, okay, how do we make sure more people know about it? And so now we're expanding in that way. And so really our journey right now, man, you know, if I could get a little bit specific, but we're on this journey, what I call the journey to 25K. And so we're on this journey to go, okay, how do we get all of our subscription offerings to total 25K every month? And that does not include the one-off services we offer. Because one of the other things that we offer that's been really popular is that we build courses for thought leaders. And so for people who have, who want to capitalize on some form of knowledge that they have, something that they want to teach, something that they want to share, then we kind of, we walk them through a specific launch process, a specific building process where we help them build a class, use a lead magnet, a free coaching class, something like that to walk people into a paid coaching program or to a paid course. And uh, and so that's something that's been really, really, uh, really, really huge for us in the last couple of years as more people have started to do that. Uh, but outside of that, we're really trying to get to that goal of 25K a month and that recurring revenue. And uh, and then once we get to that, of course, we'll reset the goal to something else. But for now, we're starting there and, uh, and just pushing down the road with that. Very cool. Well, I mean, maybe I'd just love to kind of I guess kind of go back to where we started at the beginning a little bit. And, you know, you as a black business owner, like tell tell me what this means to you, because like, yeah. I don't, you know, obviously I'm sure our listeners expand, you know, across the entire spectrum as it relates to, yes. you know, economics and all of those factors, but like shooting for 25,000 a month, that's a big deal. So yeah. maybe you can describe a little bit about like kind of what that means to you as a black business owner. Man, you know, it means the world to me because, you know, we grew up, uh, I'm trying not to use the word, but we grew up as a very low income family. Let me say it that way. I came from a home, my parents divorced when I was three. And so, you know, I grew up in a single parent home for most of my life. It was my mom, myself, and my younger brother. And, you know, I watched my mom work three jobs just to make ends meet, you know, and and in the midst of that, she always kept us clean and nice and made sure um, that we that we focus on our education. Every school that I graduated from, from middle school to elementary to high school while I was with my mom, I was always in the top 2% of my class with everything. I was always a very high achiever. And one of the reasons behind that was my mom would often say to me, because I would see her struggle and I'd be like, mom, let me get a job. You know, I always wanted to work at Chick-fil-A. It was my favorite restaurant. And she would always tell me no. And she would say, listen, she was like, the way you help me is by getting a scholarship to go to college. She says, as long as, you know, you find a way to get to school, go to college, whatever it is, we'll be okay. And so, you know, hearing that from my mom and just just knowing her journey, even here in Birmingham, where I'm from, you know, my family is very much tied to the civil rights movement. My grandfather and my great uncle were two of the organizers for Dr. King when he would come to Birmingham. And so, as a matter of fact, my grandfather is said to be the last person in Birmingham to see Dr. King alive uh, the final time he left. He would be his driver. He was a young preacher at the time. And so he would literally be a driver for Dr. King. And so, so this idea of serving other people and fighting for people who can't fight for themselves has always been near and dear to my heart. And it just kind of comes forward with my mom watching her go through what she went through. So a goal of mine, and this is one of the reasons I always wanted to play in the NFL. The goal of mine has always been to get to a point in life where I didn't always have to be the one asking, but I could be the one giving. And so to have our business come to this point, we have three different organizations that we get to invest in, uh, nonprofits that we get to invest in every single month. Um, We're actually, one of the things that we are doing this year is that we're actually launching our nonprofit. And so we're opening up a nonprofit 
profit on what we do, because while we are a business and we do want to focus on uh, making sure that, you know, that we're being profitable in what we do, we know that there are always going to be some unique situations where my heart is going to want to help people who can't afford our service. And so through our nonprofit, we're going to be able to grab a, a group of leaders and walk them through coaching and walk them through systems training and things of that nature. And so to get a chance to be the person in our community that people come to when they want to do something, that people come to when they're trying to execute a project, like that's the goal for me is that I want to get to that point where we can be a beacon of hope because so many people talk about change. We talk about, you know, man, we got to make a difference and this isn't fair and this, the wealth gap isn't right. And this is this. And and I'm one of those people where I kind of come to a point in my life where I'm like, okay, we know all the reasons why things and how things got to where they are. But the reality is this is where we live now. And so what we've got to figure out is how do we then begin to architect the future? How do we begin to make things different? And one of the ways that we get to make different, make things different is by doing things like what we're doing, by building a company and by literally saying, Hey, look, I'm going to take what God has given me and I'm going to use it to build uh, an opportunity for me and my family, those around us. Now we come to the other side of the table and say, okay, now let's go make a difference and help people be, uh, be better. And so for us, man, there's nothing like being able to say, we have the capacity to reach back into our community and to other communities and help people. And that's important to us because our clientele, uh, we do work with a lot of African-American churches, but we also work with some denominations that are not. So we've got it all across the spectrum. We work with people. Anybody who's trying to help people become more like Jesus every day, they fit our mission. And uh, and so we plug in and so we work with them. Very nice. Well, for anyone who's listening, who's interested in kind of learning a little bit more about you, like what's the best place for them to find you? Uh, well, there are a couple of ways. Of course, we're on all the social media channels, but our website is simplesystems.cc. And so what we're what we're doing is that we're making ourselves available to be reached in all these different channels. Uh, but we're also creating something that I think is a really cool freebie um, for all of our listeners and for everybody who's tuned into the podcast if they want to plug in and, and just kind of be a part of what we're doing. Uh, all they've got to do is just go to that website. Uh, I'm sorry, can you hear them in the background? Oh, no worries. You got the family involved. Uh, yeah. That's I love it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. No, I no. I'm hearing kids and I'm like, uh, is that what's happening? Uh, but uh, but one of the things that we are doing is that I'm making available this really cool free free resource. It's actually one of the coolest things that we did last year. Last year, we took some church leaders and business leaders away and we took them on a retreat and we literally helped them put together a detailed plan for how they could plan the year and for how they could plan you know, what they wanted this year to look like. And we broke it down and we created an entire blueprint for them. And so we're giving a re- play of that webinar away free to everybody who wants it and who wants to plug into it. And uh, you can find that just at simplesystems.cc forward slash vision 2022, vision 2022. And so with that, uh, they can go in there, they can watch the webinar, see it. And uh, and I tell you that one thing that we did, this was a very, this retreat was a very, one of our most high ticket offers of the year, but we literally had about seven or eight leaders meet us on the the, the beautiful beach of, of Destin, Florida. And we spent a week just really diving deep into what they were going to do and what they felt called to do this year. And this blueprint, uh, I'm going to walk people through it. So simplesystems.cc forward slash vision 22. And that's where they can connect with us. I love it. And and I also, uh, once again, I, I love the kids in the background. I think that's like, that's such a cool part of like the reality of yeah. entrepreneurs and business owners <laughs> now is like, in fact, probably at least a portion of the people listening to this are also listening to their own children in the background <laughs> as they think about the things that they want to do. I mean, I've got a yes. couple of my own 
um, who are <laughs> so far, I think, been pretty quiet during this one. But uh, in any case, uh, I love it because that is that is the reality of I think the modern entrepreneur and business owner is yes, you're you know you're is. not you're not working at an office with you know yes. the fancy backdrops and stuff. You're working at home with the yep. family and building out you know. Yep. Um, which is, it's cool. So all of that said, it's a part of the joy of it, you know, it's a part of the joy is that that's one of the th- reasons you do this. You know, I was, I was at a retreat, uh, not too long ago and I was listening to a leader and we were talking about the great resignation that's happening in America right now, where you've got millions and millions of people leaving their jobs. And, and one of the ways to sum that up is that people are renegotiating their relationship with power, right? They're renegotiating like who gets to determine what's valuable to them. And I think this pandemic and all the loss and all the grief that we've battled through has made us refocus on what's really important. And so values like family and, and focusing on your, on your core relationships makes all the difference. And so choosing, you know, choosing to, you know, work a job where you're away from your family for eight hours a day and you come home, you get two hours with them. And now they've got to go to bed so they can get up and do it all over again. Or choosing a job where you can say, no, I'm going to stay home and structure my day where I can be here with my family every day. Like I, here's one of the things I love most about this is that sometimes I'm leading my business from the beach, like literally, like I'm literally like, Hey, you know, you all want to go to the beach this, you know, today and do this. And nothing about my business has to stop. Nothing about it goes off because it's already virtual it's already digital. And so I think that's one of the huge benefits is being able to, you know, keep that connection with family while at the same time doing what you love and doing what you're called to do. Amazing. Well, that's, that's kind of always where we wrap things up anyhow, is just kind of, you know, learning about like what's changed for you, which is, which is incredible. I mean, the, the, proximity to family, I know is something that's also important to me, like, you know, so I completely understand that. And then of course, you know, I think what I've been hearing the theme throughout this journey is very much mission driven. Like you, you are on a mission to accomplish, you know, something that's important to you, you know, above and beyond the financial, just the financial aspects. So um, maybe just to kind of cap things off, maybe tell us a little bit about like, where do you feel you're at? I know the, the goalposts are always going to move for you, but in terms of just like accomplishing your mission, where are you at? Man, I tell you, it feels like we're smack dab in the middle of our mission. And uh, and here's the thing I love about mission is, you know, when you're developing a mission, a mission is is, is can be as fine as a pinpoint. Uh, but when you're in it, it's an ocean that you get to swim in. And, and that's what it feels like right now. It feels like we're swimming in the ocean of our mission and we're learning some of the different ways that that mission is going to expand. Uh, one of the beautiful things and one of the reasons that we started to bring on more team members onto the team was really to free me up to be the visionary and the architect that I'm, that I naturally am. You know, I think we all have, you know, one of these different kind of types or lenses that we see through as we kind of approach our mission and our calling in life. And for me, that mission is, is what I would call apostolic, where I'm much, I'm very geared towards building and expanding and reaching and going forward. And right now it feels like we're in the middle of that. We've been able to really help some people. Uh, we're really in the middle of some big, big, huge core movements right now. Uh, we're helping a couple of groups around the country, uh, launch some something new that we're really excited about. We uh, just last year, we helped a group launch a virtual ministry platform that is reaching more than 20,000 people every single week. And now we're just getting ready to build a building to go along with that huge platform. And and so it feels like we're right smack dab in the middle of of what we want to accomplish as a company. Uh, But more importantly, I feel like I'm right in the middle of of what I'm feeling to call to accomplish as a person by having a vision large enough for other people to find their vision inside of it. And I think that's, that's something that's 
really huge for me is that if I'm going to be the visionary that I believe I'm called to be, my vision has to be so big that I can partner with other people and they can see where they too can live out their vision as we walk together. And so, and uh, so it feels like we're in a great place, man. I'm excited about the future. <laughs> Amazing. Well, speaking of missions, one of our missions here at the Kajabi Edge podcast is to hopefully inspire you and inspire all of our listeners to take the plunge um, and hopefully be inspired from hearing some of these incredible stories from people like Henry, who have, you know, kind of taken the leap himself and created something that allowed him to, you know, live out that mission. And so um, if you have a story, I uh, would love to love to hear about it. You can always send us an email at uh, edgepodcast at kajabi.com. We'd love to hear about it. But once again, to kind of finish things off, want to send a huge thank you to you, Henry, for taking the time to share with us. We really appreciate you joining us today. Man, thank you for having me. This is like, this is just absolutely awesome. I love uh, what Kajabi has meant for us and uh, what it means for so many other people. So I'm excited to be a part of the family. I love it. Well, that is all we have for you today. Uh, We really appreciate you listening. We'll look forward to hearing and hearing from our next entrepreneur uh, next time on the Kajabi Edge podcast.